Well, look, pensions are complicated and Tom Selby and I did a really good job of trying to work through our initial reactions to the budget and some of the political implications. Uh, and if you haven't listened to that episode, I'd encourage you to go and do so. But as time went on and the next few days, stuff started to come out. So I asked Alice Guy from Interactive Investor to come on just to talk through some of the financial planning implications and decisions that people might need to make in response to the budget announcement. I hope you enjoy this episode. Alice Guy from Interactive Investor, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tom. Nice to speak to you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So formalities first, you are head, head of pensions, head of retirement at Interactive Investor. You're, I mean, you are, you're, you're their spokesperson on pensions, right? Yeah, yeah. I work in the PR team and I'm, I talk about pensions and sort of stray a bit into tax and personal finance as well. I've actually got a background as a chartered accountant, so I seem to get drawn into the personal tax stuff quite a bit as well. As the old joke goes, I'll speak slowly then, right? Yes. <laughs> Right, sorry. No, that's probably set the wrong time. Let's move on. So, um, we, we did, uh, we did, we did a podcast on the budget earlier in the week. Tom Selby and I. And we were talking a lot of it was around the politics of it, and mm. I mean, since then, it's just like we've all keep going. Oh, and what about this? And you know, how does this work? And what are the financial planning implications of this? So I'm. I know, I know. You've been kind enough to just come on and talk. No, it's absolute classic with tax, isn't it? What sort of first appears really simple when you start to unpick it. You think, well, what about this? What about this? And everything interrelates and it's a lot more complicated than it first appears. So let's see if we can make some sense of this. So, you know, a few of the questions have come up. We'll just just, just see where we go with all of this. Uh, And I'd really welcome your your technical expertise. So... Mm. First of all, I'm going to start the basis. Lifetime allowance, when do the changes come in? So we know so far it's kind of wending its way through Parliament, but what we think is that the lifetime allowance charges are going to be abolished from the end of this tax year and then the actual lifetime allowance itself is going from April 2024. So do, that's do, when do the know changes why, will come in. Why they're doing it in two stages? Why? Because, I mean, effectively, if the charge goes from 6th of April... It kind of doesn't exist anymore. So yeah, for all practical purposes, I think it's going to be much the same thing. And they've said they're not going to be charges. I think it just gives them a bit more time to get the legislation in place and iron out any little fiddly bits they need to, because some people are going to have potentially protections under the old rules. So they need to kind of work that through the system. And I guess there are references to it elsewhere in the system. So they just need to give themselves a bit of space and a bit of time to to work through and, and exactly yeah airbrush it out of history for now <laughs> for now at least yeah so, well who knows quite yeah. so so the important thing then is to avoid a benefit commencement event right yeah uh, yeah there are i can't remember nine ten something like that ten different there's points quite a few aren't they and i think against the lta And I think that was one of the problems that it was just creating so much complication and confusion for people coming up to retirement and, you know, really in the interests of clarity and also giving people certainty around, you know, what's going to happen to their their pension pots. They've decided to completely do away with it, as you say, for now, who knows in the future. Okay, so point one from a financial planning point of view is if you are over the lifetime allowance already, there are people out there who've inadvertently built up pots in excess of £1,073,100, who, if they vest their pension today, if they trigger 
a benefit commencement event and become liable to the LTA, they're effectively paying an extra 25% tax charge on any surplus. If they wait, here we are today, just a couple of weeks before the end of the tax year, if they just wait until the 6th of April 2023, they'll save themselves potentially quite a lot of tax, right? So that's message number one is if you're in that group, just, just hang on, right? Yeah, yeah. And I I personally just, you never know with politics, do you? I mean, it's 99.9% certain, but just wait until we've definitely got that legislation as well. So you know for sure what's happening. But, okay, the fly in the ointment and all of this is, uh, and it's really interesting. So first of all, Labour said, well, we'll reverse that if we get in. Mm. And and then following up on that, Keir Starmer, who benefits from an, an, a non-registered pension scheme which sits outside the LTA and people were kind of pointing at him a bit about that and saying, well, that's a bit of a whiff of hypocrisy about that, Keir. And he's gone, well, okay, you know, I'll pay the tax charge on it. I will reverse my non, non-registered pension scheme back into the tax system, which is a pretty bold move, I thought, and, and, and really speaks to the fact that Labour is quite serious about bringing back the lifetime allowance if they get into power in less than two years' time. So how do we deal with that, Alice? Oh, good question. (laughs) It's a million-dollar question, isn't it? I think, obviously, there's no guarantees with politics, is there? But when we look at what's happened in the past, when they have reduced the lifetime allowance, they have allowed people to protect the pension pot that they built up up to that point if they built that up under a higher limit. My bet would be that something similar would would apply. Although, as I say, no guarantees. So I guess if you are in that situation, you're thinking, should I carry on paying in? Well, like everything, I think, and this is where we get those interactions, because I think it is quite easy to get very excited about the lifetime allowance and let the tax work tail wag the dog. And I would say, you know, you've got to look holistically at your financial needs. Don't just think, wow, there's this tax opportunity, I'll pile as much as I can into my pension, sort of think of it holistically, because even with the lifetime allowance rules changing, that money is in your pension, and it's going to be subject to the normal tax rules once it's in there. Right, but just just kind of drilling into that a bit, there's mm. still potentially, for some people, scope to arbitrage the, in- the income tax rates, because if I'm a 40 or 45% taxpayer now, Mm. And I expect that even with my million pound plus pension pot, I will be drawing less than £50,000 a year out, so basically the high rate threshold, then that money coming out in retirement will only be subject to 20% tax. So isn't there an argument for higher rate taxpayers now to say, well, look, you know, even if you pay tax on it, if you, if you can keep below the threshold, you know, if, you, if you don't need to draw more than fifty grand a year out of your pension pot, well... You know, you're 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 going to benefit from the tax relief, right? Potentially, although I would say again, it depends because if you're lucky enough to be getting huge bonuses and you're still in your thirties, then who knows where we're going to be? You know, by the time that person reaches minimum retirement age, so I'd say it's probably a more complex pitch, and you need to look overall and think. You know, where when realistically we are, am I going to be drawing my pension out, and what do I think the rules are going to be at that point? I guess for. The people probably most affected by this are those in their 50s and 60s, people who are probably quite close to retirement, who are either at already over the lifetime allowance ceiling, who are looking at this in terms of, you know, can I just wedge a bit more cash in? Maybe I stopped contributing five years ago because I hit the ceiling or I'd gone over the ceiling. And, and now I'm thinking, well, maybe I could squeeze a bit more income tax relief out of the chancellor before I flip over into retirement. I, I guess it's people in those kind of situations. I'm yeah. And I think if, if that's if that's your situation, then it's probably a good bet, as I said before, that 
you will hopefully be able to protect what you build up if the rules do change in the future. So, yeah, it is still, you know, a great tax planning vehicle in that respect. So, and staying with that theme, I mean, yeah, you know, we all love pensions, right? So, so staying staying with that theme, inheritance tax planning, I think has just got really interesting. I mean, it was interesting Mm. before, but it's just got doubly so now because... Jeremy Hunt has removed that ceiling. So, you know, you can build up big pots of money. You might not draw it all out. You might deliberately build up those big pots, getting the high rate relief, as we've just talked about, building your pot 1 million, 2 million, 3 million over the next decade, you know, sticking 60 grand a year in, knowing that you won't draw it all out in your lifetime. But Mm. when you die, it will at worst be subject to income tax in the hands of the recipients. And if you're clever enough to die before 75, there's no tax to pay. So as an inheritance tax planning vehicle, it still looks quite interesting, doesn't it? Well, this is another place where I'd say, you know, be really careful here, because particularly with inheritance tax, there are so many interactions. If you're thinking about planning for retirement, potentially your pension is mainly a retirement vehicle. And there are other assets also that are subject to inheritance tax reliefs. For example, if you've got a business, that's often subject to inheritance tax relief. So it is really important to get advice because you don't want to, you know, not use other reliefs that you could do and then be putting money into your pension and then potentially the rules change. You could end up in a worse situation. But I'd say if you if you do know that you've used up all your inheritance tax reliefs and you've taken advice on that and you've sorted out a, an efficient will that uses up, you know, maximises your inheritance tax reliefs, then it could be something potentially to look at. But again, I'd say that there is a real potential trap here because if you breach the annual allowance, so say you go over 60000 and actually that applies to your taxable income as well, so it's 60000 or your taxable income, whichever is um, lower, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm going to make sure I get it the right way around. So whichever's lower. So imagine that you breach that and you think, wait, I'm going to put in, you know, half a million into my pension. Say you've just come into some money or something like that. You're not going to get tax relief on whatever's over that 60,000. And then just playing out different scenarios here, then say they change the inheritance tax rules. You've now got this money in your pension. You can't get it out without paying some income tax on it. And when you leave that money, your descendants are potentially now going to have to pay inheritance tax and income tax. Whereas if you'd perhaps invest, dripped it into ISIS instead, yes, they'd have to pay inheritance tax, but they wouldn't have any income tax to pay. So that's where I think, yes, it is a potential tax planning. But I think once you're going over that annual allowance, you've got to be aware you're not getting the biggest potential benefit of pensions, which is that pension tax relief. So it becomes a much more complicated um, dilemma as to what to do. Yeah, that, that all makes sense. And just staying with the annual allowance, so it's going up from forty to 60,000. Yeah. You can carry forward up to three years of unused reliefs. Just just kind of talk through how that works. Can I now wedge in four lots of 60,000? Or, you know, is, go on, talk about that. So if you're not sure, I'd say talk to your pension provider because they should be able to provide clarity on this. But the basic way it works is you have to use up your current year first. So you can't now sort of say, oh, it's gone up to 60. I'll, I'll use up the last few years and then I'll carry forward the 60. No, you've got to use up this year's first. Mm-hmm. And then you can look back and see if you've got unused allowances for the previous year and that will depend on 
you know, your level of income as well. So it's a little bit more complicated than just saying, yeah, I've got 40 plus 40 plus 60. It isn't, it isn't necessarily, it's going to be individual to each person. And even though the allowance goes up to 60 in the next tax year, mm. any carry forward will be based on the 40,000 that applies in the tax you bring it forward from, correct? Yeah, because it is relating to the previous tax year. So in principle, someone could get to the 6th of April and if they've got the income to cover it, say they're earning a couple hundred grand a year, they could put in £60,000, which will be the allowance on the 6th of April. And then they can mm. carry forward three lots of £40,000 from the last three tax years. So have I got this right, Alice, that they could pay in up to £180,000 and get income tax relief on that money on the 6th of April as a big lump sum into their pension? Yeah, and, and just double check with your pension provider, as I say, because it will be unused allowances in the previous year. So if you've paid anything into your pension, you have to look back each year at a time. So look at this year and then look at the year before and so on. So you just need to double check because what happens if you pay it, if you were to pay in 180 and then you realised, oh, I didn't actually have that much allowance available, you will get hit with a tax charge potentially. So they will claw it back. Right. And you definitely don't want that. So Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so another change that they brought in in the budget on the or is coming in on the sixth of April is the money purchase annual allowance is going mm. from four thousand to ten thousand pounds. Something we all think is a terrifically good thing. Yeah, I'm really pleased about this one. Yeah, even even with that extra headroom, if you've taken money out of your pension and now you want to recommence your pension saving. Would you see it as worthwhile potentially breaching your annual allowance or your money purchase annual allowance if it means you can benefit from an employer contribution? I mean, I guess the, the, the trade-offs are quite complicated there. Yeah, I think it could be worth doing it. So just to clarify, it's if you've taken taxable income, if you've just taken your tax-free lump, you're still fine with the original annual allowance. So this is perhaps if you've kind of maybe retired, started taking a pension income and then you've gone back. But to answer your question, yeah, I mean, you're, you're basically getting the free money, aren't you, with employers' contributions? So I think it could definitely be worth it. And you'd have to kind of do that little calculation yourself and work it out. The other thing to point out is if you're paying into, say, a private pension on top of your employers, it's the total amount paid in. So it will include pension tax relief as well, which I think a lot of people that can sort of catch people out. So you need to look at your employer's contributions, your gross contributions, not your contributions. So there's a little bit of working out to do there. Okay, that, that's helpful. So, I mean, with all this kind of stuff, we can give people some pointers and guidance on this, but it's kind of a lot of this just comes down to personal circumstances, doesn't it? And you know, how generous the yeah, employer definitely. contribution is and that kind of thing. So something else that they did, which I thought was a pretty cute move, was they froze the tax-free lump sum. And I guess if you're going to give people unlimited lifetime allowance you know you can put as much as you like in well within the annual allowance limits but you can build up as big a pot as you like you know but we're going to freeze the tax benefit you get in terms of the lump sum at the point of retirement so that was a pretty cute move on the government's part but it also means that the tax-free lump sum is going to diminish in value over time if i take it when i'm really old it'll be worth less because of sort of fiscal drag and the erosion of inflation yeah. and so on so is there an argument now to say i should take the tax-free lump sum as early as possible so that I can then recycle that, say, into ICES or into other investment vehicles where it could continue to grow tax-free. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think there is an argument for doing that, exactly as you've said, because it will get eroded over time. And hopefully, if your investments grow, then effectively that tax-free lump sum is being 
whittled down. And then once it's out of a pension environment, you've got that freedom to decide what to do with that and like potentially drip it into ISAs. Um, you've just got more choice and flexibility then, haven't you? And I think to go back to your point on fiscal drag eroding the tax-free lump sum, I think this was something that was very much hidden in the budget as well, that there is widespread fiscal drag <laughs> that's going across all, all the different taxes, be that inheritance tax, income tax, national insurance. And that is going to, we're going to see our tax burden rising, which I think potentially makes pension savings even more tax efficient, doesn't it, going forward, if you can afford to pay extra into your pension, that is. Definitely got to make the most of it, for sure, yeah. On the on the tax-free lump sum, some mm. people will be fortunate enough to have protections in place. And all the lifetime allowance protections become redundant, effectively, from the 6th of April. But for people who've managed to preserve a tax-free lump sum entitlement in excess of the 268275, I think it is off the top of my head, the, the tax-free lump mm. sum, you know, that that will continue, right? We think so. So we're just waiting to hear complete sort of confirmation of this. But we think that basically people who've got protections under the old system will be able to maintain a higher tax-free lump sum. I think what a lot of people were worried about is where they're going to have to choose. Was it going to be either or? Were they going to have to choose to have the tax-free lump sum under the old system, but a lower lifetime allowance so it was abolished? Or were they going to have to choose the new lifetime allowance-free environment, but a lower tax-free lump sum? But it looks like people won't actually have to choose. They can have their cake and eat it. They can keep their protected tax-free lump sum and pay in you know, there's not going to be a lifetime allowance either for them going forward. Nice. Okay. Is there anything else, Alice, that you've come across in just in the last week or so, talking to advisors and looking at clients, questions that have been coming up at Interactive Investor? Is there anything else that we haven't covered that we should? I think just the one thing to highlight is don't forget that it wasn't just the spring budget. We had quite a lot of tax changes in the autumn statement as well. Like I've touched on fiscal drag, but also CGT and dividend tax rates are changing which means that if you've got investments outside of a pension or ISA environment, you are potentially going to be paying a lot more tax in the years to come. So we are coming up to tax year end. So I'd say if you're planning to do Ben Sit or Ben and ISA, you've got to get a wriggle and do it because we're coming up to tax year end now to make, make use of those higher CGT and dividends tax allowances. And you need a bit of a run-up, don't you? Because it takes a few days to process the transaction, right? Exactly. They're, they're, I know from my eye that we've got a higher volume of bed and ice than normal because of, you know, the CGT allowance is, is being slashed from 12,300 down to 6,000, so it's wow. been more than half. Wow, yeah. So, you know, people are kind of piling in to put stuff in, this, in their ISIS before tax year ends. So, yeah, there is going to be a bit of a backlog potentially with quite a few to process. Okay, well, look, Alice, thank you very much for explaining all of that and thank you for coming on. Thank you. It was a pleasure, Tom. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you did, then do please consider leaving a positive review and maybe even subscribing for future episodes. The sound engineer was Ross Burns. Thank you for listening.